Welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. I'm so glad that all of you are joining us as a recording here live from Austin, Texas. Uh, hey, I got Jacob Lalden in. Is this, your, is this your first podcast with us? This is my first podcast, and I'm really excited to be here and just uh, be a part of this conversation. Yeah, well, Jacob is an intern here at Wells Branch Community Church, and we are so pumped to have him. We also have my trusty admin, Melanie McLemore. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. And happy to be back. You should be happy because you bring a lot to the table. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And we also have Tom Justice, who is... Tom, tell us a little about yourself and how you wound up at Wells Branch Community Church. Well, so I'm a pastor. I pastored... Uh, well, been in ministry 32 years, pastoring 29, and uh, I'm taking a gap year. So this gap is, year, I love yeah, that. Th- this, is, this is kind of a sabbatical for me, and uh, just taking a year to kind of rest, uh, renew, uh, meet Jesus in new and deeper ways, and then die back in. But in the meantime, uh, we moved to the Wells Branch area for work and looking for a good church, found Wells Branch, love it. And uh, so we've been a part of things, getting involved even while I'm in my gap year. Well, man, I appreciate you being here. It is a true joy to have someone of of such uh, intellectual theological prowess as Senor Justice. And so we're going to really rely on you to kind of lead the way in some of this. Uh, I'm really excited about it. We're talking about childlike faith uh, this, this day, more morning. It is a morning. It's still morning. Yeah. <clears throat> and there, there is, what we talked about was like, there is this reality that our culture, I, and I think, and, and I'd love for you guys to speak into this, sort of rejects anything childlike. For you to say childlike faith is sort of like saying blind faith. It's like, oh, you were raised that way. So of course you believe that nonsense. And so um, if you were able to go to a different culture, you would believe in that God. If you were, you know, if you grew up in Saudi Arabia, you'd be Muslim and that would be your childlike faith. And if you grew up in, uh, in a in a Navajo tribe, you'd be smoking the peyote and that would be your childlike faith. And so I would love to sort of like speak into that because Jesus over and over again, he flips the script on the kingdom. And it's not necessarily like you believe like, um, uh, what you is you do believe like a child, but more importantly, it's the, the preference of the kingdom or maybe the elevated of part of the kingdom is that those who are at the least will be on top and those who are on top are going to be on the bottom. So Tom, any thoughts on childlike faith that you've experienced in the 30 plus years of ministry that you've uh, had where you've maybe seen childlike faith really experienced and maybe childlike faith not experienced? Yeah, well, so uh, uh, illustration media that comes to mind is, is, uh, uh, We've always had a love and concern for kind of the underserved, the poor. And, yeah. and we, uh, for years, uh, supported kind of children overseas who yeah, were yeah. kind of in need through Compassion International. And uh, we went on a vacation up to the Colorado area one year with our little kids who are now in their <clears throat> own their 20s. Yeah. And our oldest, you know, they took all their money out of the piggy bank, you know, to buy stuff and, and toys or candy or souvenirs on the trip. But we went to visit Compassion International and uh, to, to hear about the ministry and this child. At the headquarters. Support, at the headquarters. Yeah. And our oldest daughter brought her stuff, uh, brought her money. And uh, she said, I want to help the poor children. Uh, and she gave it all. That's so beautiful. Yeah. But, but you know, I, I mean, kind of a moment, right? Thinking about it, and it's like, uh, you know, wanting to say, well, well, maybe save out a little if you want ice cream or whatever. But but she gave it all. And, and just thinking of that childlike faith, it's not childish. Right. It's childlike. But she didn't even think about it. It didn't dawn on her that she, you know, whatever. She just gave it all. And yeah. that, that was really, really... Uh, 
amazing. Yeah. So Melanie, talk to me about how maybe you've seen childish pride. I think that's what we, you know, there's not really childish faith. It's because you can have faith the size of a mustard seed. It really ends up being when you're childish, you're acting on pride, not on faith. How have you seen that maybe in your own life and the lives of others where you see that really affects somebody's walk with God? Yeah. Um, I think when I went to college, I was like finally away from my parents for the first time. And I love my parents. They're great. Um, but man, I thought they were dumb and they didn't know anything. And I just, I did, I knew everything mm-hmm. and it was like, I can do this and went to church a couple times. Cause it was kind of like out of habit. And then I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm set. I know how to be a good person. Like, I don't need to worry about this anymore. So. And you're like, okay, that's, I'm going to put that childlike faith in the back seat. Yes. And then, until what happened? Um, until I was going into my senior year and I was like, man, I'm just kind of depressed and anxious and I don't really know what I'm doing with my life anymore. Maybe I should try this whole church thing again. Okay, awesome. Wow, I think that's really good. Um, yeah, I, I grew up kind of the same way. Like, always had to learn the hard way because, <laughs> you know, I was so prideful and all I ever knew and trusted in was uh, was myself because I had no faith. Right. And this childish pride, it just led me to one, a rock bottom, to one, a rock bottom, to another um, until I was finally like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm doing this all wrong. Like mm-hmm. God has given me uh, you, you know, a plan, a solution through Christ. And I just want to have to learn everything the hard way. Yeah. So one of the things I loved about Jesus is he gets indignant, which uh, is an SAT word for upset, frustrated slash angry. And he gets upset <clears throat> at the disciples for preventing children to come to him. And how do you think our perhaps childish pride <coughs> prevents people from coming to Christ. I'm sorry. I didn't really listen to the question. Yeah, that happens. Yep, It does actually a lot. (laughs) How does childish pride prevent other people from coming to Christ? How does it prevent other people? Um, I mean, I think I've been here before where I think like, like those people are too messed up or... They just, they aren't smart enough. They aren't mature enough and we'll get to them later. Right. I I think that we can almost with people that are difficult, we can say like, okay, I will minister to them because we have to. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's put those people aside to get to the real people, the people that are functional and they will help the ministry go forward. And I think there's... I think a lot of times there's the error of the church that we think that church is a hospital. And, uh, and so we just make it all about serving the poor and sick people. But then there's the opposite error of it's all about the mission of going to reach those who have imp- can have gospel impact. And really, I always think of, I always go back to the, the church is like an army. And so as we're fighting uh, the good fight of the gospel, we need to understand that there is a time for the infirmary and people that is real gospel ministry of reaching out to the poor one, and then reaching out to the, the emotionally broken, physically hurting people of our culture. And that's not just a, we'll have to deal with those people, but that is the actual ministry that I think Jesus is pointing out to those who you've sort of discredited as not valuable are ones that Jesus most values. Tom? Well, that's where we see grace, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so the, the gospel message is one of grace. It's not deserved. It's not earned. It's all about God and not about the the, the worthiness of the um, mm-hmm. recipient, right? Mm-hmm. And so in caring and, and reaching <clears throat> and, uh, you know, extending 
God's love to, right. to the broken. Uh, we we exhibit God's grace. We uh, uh, show it, and also we see it because God does amazing things in our lives. I love it, and but I think what happens for a lot of us is we don't get an ROI. We don't have a return on investment. So I listen. If I spend five hours with this particular poor person, they're still going to be poor, and I'm going to waste five hours. However, what we're discounting is is the um, unbelievable grace of God. One and two. When you, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. And so what Jesus is saying, when you serve people in that manner, you are actually serving Christ. And I think, again— That's the way he relates to us, too, right? I mean, we're undeserving, we're stupid, and he he continues to express grace to us day after day after day, right? Right, and I I think there's there's a tendency for the church, and and I don't want to—this is not me bashing church people or the church in general, or like our church hasn't figured out, all the others don't. It's just— me, I have this tendency, everybody has this tendency to sort of write someone off because they're too needy or write someone off because they're too much of a whatever. And I think that's a, it's a perfect picture of the gospel that Jesus came to you when he should have written you off because you're too lustful, you're too materialistic, you're too, uh, whatever vein, whatever your thing is. Well, and sometimes people remember on down the road, right? And they come to Christ mm-hmm. and years and years later, remembering people who in the name of Christ reached out to him, even when they were right. doing stupid. So, yeah. So Jacob, uh, you have an incredible, uh, colorful past. Oh yeah. Uh, and so at some point, uh, when you were running drugs in Atlanta, uh, that might've been a place where people would have been like, why would you waste time on that guy? Yeah, that's exactly right, man. Um, my family, my loved ones, um, they kind of didn't give up on me, but they lost hope and they became very content with where I was at. What do you mean um, by that? Yeah, so it wasn't really um, a picture of, of grace. It was just kind of like they gave up. And so sometimes what it did is it um, reinforced this, this I don't want to say childish pride, but lack of maybe a childish faith, um, but the church never left me. Uh, mm. They always loved me. They always cared for me. And nice. I just think it's really important that um, the church is is a faithful, and they do, just like um, Chris and Tom, y'all were talking about, are reaching out to all people, those who are at their rock bottom and those who um, y- you know are great leaders. Mm. Because if we don't do that, then we're just like re- reinforcing this stereotype, like, oh man, like a Christian suck. They're all just hypocrites. <laughs> like, and we're not helping anyone when we do that. And so the only people that care about is the good people. Right. Right. Hey, talk right. about who you shared the gospel with yesterday. Oh man. Yeah. So I shared the gospel with, um, a few people. Um, but are we talking about Jose? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So Chris and, and I just go uh, next door. Um, and we just ask God, God, just to the apartments. Someone, yeah. Yep. To the apartments. Just, just put someone in our path and, this guy just hops out of his car and opens up his trunk and he's just standing there. And I'm like, well, that was a uh, pretty, uh, it was pretty clear. So we walk up to him and we talk to him and we just introduced ourselves and ask him how he was doing. And man, this guy just looks sad. He was uh, just a bad down on his luck. Um, and we start talking to him and come to find out um, he goes to a, a Catholic church. His a girlfriend just moved back to a Columbia and he's really lonely. <laughs> and we ask him how he's doing. And he says, um, I feel empty. Mm-hmm. And it just gave us a great opportunity to, to love this man and share the gospel and just ask him how he's doing. Just get his phone number. Just offer to take him out to lunch. And Yeah, you offered to take him to lunch, and then what did he say to you? Yeah, it, it was so <clears throat> crazy. So in doing so, Chris and I are just trying to love on this guy and get to know him. 
Um, and I offered to, to take him out to lunch, and he goes, no, no, no. You're taking care of my spirit, so I'm going to take care of your body. Lunch is on me. I was like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah. God, you are so good. And I think sometimes we think like that would be a long, that took us 15 minutes. Like we were, we went back, we shared the gospel with two different people in 15 minutes and came back. I mean, that's, I feel like sometimes, and I've probably been influenced by Charles Spurgeon. I've been reading lectures to my students. And so it's like the, the big thing he talked about was open air preaching, which I was like, that is really weird. Who does that? And so I was like, let's just go share the gospel and how simple of a thing that is to go where people are broken and needy. They, people want to hear the good news. And I think what happens is we've made it so difficult because we've heard so many objections, which we actually haven't heard. We just assume there are so many objections out there that we don't share it. Uh, and what, so there's a couple of things. One is I feel like people are more childlike in their ability to believe in their faith more than ever in this particular time. Religious things and spiritual things are what people are talking about. I mean, every time I turn around on any cartoon, it's like somebody in the like, you know, mantra or like meditation pose. So nobody's against spiritual conversation. It's just the, but Jesus it's the them. Jesus part that people get frustrated or uh, angry about. But when we bring with boldness and clarity, people are excited to hear what we have to say. A couple things with that. Um, when we went on that, the branch kids camping trip, uh, Robert Sass pulled up a, 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 there's a tarantula out there. I mean, when we're talking about tarantula, I mean, big as your hand tarantula, crazy. And he picks it up and every, all the adults are like, he's going to die. And all the children like gather around him. Like he's the Pied Piper. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. And he's like, do you want to hold it? And all the moms <laughs> like, oh, he's going to kill our children. And then, then there was Austin holding it. And again, they, out of all the scary things they've heard about tarantulas, you would never touch a tarantula. They're going to kill you. You know, all, death is instantaneous. Uh, but they, they trusted in Robert's word that they could handle the tarantula and they simply believed. And I think, and so much so that Austin put it on his head and face and it was hysterical. So much, and all the other kids did too. And, and so I think that's the childlike faith that we need to come to with the gospel is just simply believe the word. And then secondly, uh, the thing that I got out of uh, this, the talk we did on Sunday was the rich young ruler, which was sort of fascinating. And this, this guy who's lo loaded comes up to Jesus, hey, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response is sort of mind blowing. Uh, it's like, why do you call me good first off? In other words, you have no idea who you're talking to, but whatever. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, you know, the commandments and the guy's like, yeah, all these I've kept from my youth since I was a child. And the, the verse that really stuck out to me was 1021 and Jesus looking at him, loved him. And I just love the way that Jesus loves this man. And I, I don't know, I can't speculate. I just, I don't know what he's, he's thinking when he loves him like that. It could have been uh, when he was a child, he just sees him as a child, or it could have been like, man, I wish you hadn't, you know, gotten too big for your britches. But he says, one thing you lack, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven <clears throat> and then come follow me. And what I've sort of taken from that is this man used his treasure to soothe his soul because he couldn't give it up. I mean, he's, he's, in, he's encountering Jesus. One, he doesn't recognize who Jesus is, so that's one thing. But two, he has something to soothe him, to bring him security. And Jesus is offering ultimate security, and he's saying no to that. And of course, I think a lot of us would have been like, I don't know. But <clears throat> my, my son, Paxton, is three, 
my big thing for him is to give up his passy. I'm like, give up the passy. Come on, man, please. Uh, and you know, I have something better for you, a non-overbite, non-braces in a couple of years. But he can't see the goodness uh, that I'm offering by me taking the passy from him because it soothes him at night. And I think for a lot of us, we're really struggling with things that soothe us in the material, emotional Anything other than our spiritual man being fed by Jesus, we are making other things feed it. And so I think that's a challenge. Have you, Jacob, have you seen that? And, and maybe, the, you know, going back to drug addiction, that, that's a clear passy that people have. Uh, how did you see that, you know, on the streets, uh, the mean streets of Atlanta? Uh, and then how did, have you seen that context change for you where Jesus can be that ultimate uh, thing that soothes your soul? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind is a dependency. Um, and so just like Pax is a dependent on, on this passy, mm-hmm. um, I and so many others out there are dependent on drugs. And mm-hmm. so Jesus is just standing there staring down on us like, look, man, just give it up to me. Like, I have way better things for you. And we don't. And we don't do it because we don't have that childlike faith. Mm. And so I'm like, well, What's a child? A mm. child is completely dependent. They have no bank account. They have no car. They, they can hardly cook for themselves. Eat like <laughs> just their entire existence is dependent on their father or or their mother. And it, in my case, now that I'm grown, I am completely dependent on my father. And so mm. when I think of this verse, when I think of childlike faith. I really ask myself, what and who am I depending on? Am I am I depending on? Um, drugs and alcohol? Am I depending on another person, a, a, a relationship, or am I depending on Christ? Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay, so uh, there's a question that came in. And uh, Tom, I want you to uh, be able to, I'm going to throw this at you, so be prepared. Uh, it's in <clears throat> Mark 10.32. Uh, sorry, no, not 10.32. It's Mark 10.29. And uh, the question is, if the gospel is that Jesus came, died, and rose again, according to the scriptures, and that by faith in him is how we can be saved, when Jesus mentions the gospel in 1029, after the rich young ruler leaves, and, and Peter's like, we've left everything for you. What about us? He's like, uh, you know, uh, he, he says, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. When Jesus says that, uh, is he is he speaking of the future since he hasn't died, or is there something more here, Tom? Any thoughts on what the gospel means here uh, in terms of of what Jesus is speaking of? Sure. Well, I think I think he's talking to you know a group of those those men as disciples were already in. They'd already <clears throat> received the gospel. Mm-hmm. They were already you know kind of part of the kingdom that began right. with the advent of Christ kind of thing. But but he's looking ahead to the future mm-hmm. and he's talking about none of this is in vain. Right. Right. So part of the reason we hold on to passes, right, is because uh, we, we think this is better than whatever Christ or God has to right. offer. I mean, you know, we don't really trust him. Yes. And he's telling us here that, that hey, it, it's not for naught. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so you brought up in the message too that, that uh, not not well in in that text, right? Not only will you receive all this, but also with it persecutions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but but it's it's really comforting to know. Okay, you give up your passy, and and uh, but but you can trust him, and there are good things coming. And and you know, God really is a good God, right? And I also think too, just to to 
define the gospel. Jesus three times in uh, Mark 8, Mark 9, and I think in then Mark 11, uh, he, he, he defines, or sorry, Mark 10, he defines the gospel, like Mark, right. Mark 9, uh, 30, one, for he's teaching his disciples and telling them, the son of man will be betrayed in the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days he will rise. But they didn't understand the statement. We're afraid to ask him. Well, that's the gospel. Right. Now, remember when he said he's preaching the, in, in early in Mark, he's preaching the gospel, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, repent, Jesus, the good news, it, gospel means good news. The good news is that Jesus, the king has arrived. Well, the whole gospel of Mark is the presentation of the king, first eight chapters, second eight chapters is the rejection of the king. Well, there's still good news. Even though you've rejected the king, the king is going to be killed and then he's going to be raised again, and then he's going to give you new life. And so the the king has come is still the good news to be heralded to all the world. And so I think that although it, it's maybe confusing because I think sometimes we think of the gospel hadn't happened yet, but Jesus is proclaiming the gospel, the king has come. Uh, they're rejecting him, but good news, he's already predicted his death, burial, resurrection. So clearly a future thing, but also a present thing. I think we're always living in the already, not yet of Jesus, which means he's already king of the universe. Just, we're just not experiencing the fullness of his reign on earth, which is why we pray uh, that kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. And that, that's our prayer uh, for God to really move in a unique way. Well, and the crazy thing about the gospel, too, is it's it's full-orbed, right? I mean, it's not just a moment where you accept Christ as your Savior and nice. your eternal destiny changes, mm-hmm. but it it goes on and on, right? It, mm-hmm. It's something that happened. It's something that is happening right. as he continues to transform us, and something we look forward to in the future is yet to be fulfilled. Yeah. Any other thoughts on childlike faith, Melanie? Um, thank you. I've been, like, waiting to talk for forever because I haven't in way too long. Um <laughs> Um, but one thing, just as far as like dependency that I have noticed in my own life is I was on my accountability call, uh, with one of my friends a couple of weeks ago. And one of her questions is really great. It's like, what worldly things do you use? Like instead of Jesus as like support, Mm -hmm. it's definitely not the way it's phrased. Um, but that's okay. It's mm-hmm. basically the same thing. Same thing. What's your passy? Um, yeah. What's your passy? Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, you know, I've been like on social media a lot, so I just deleted all my apps. And wow. I was like, you know, that's a really good idea. So I deleted all my social media apps. I've been deleting all of my like fun things on my phone, like games and stuff that I just like scroll through. And now I like answer emails and text messages. Um, and wow. I really didn't do that before. So that's really exciting. Um, but anyway. Welcome back to culture. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, yeah. Any any other thoughts, uh, Jacob? Childlike faith. Yeah, I think it's really freeing to have that a childlike faith. Um, to to know that all the weight's not on me, but man, Jesus has me, and he and he loves me, and uh, that that gets me through my day. I don't think I could do it anymore apart from childlike faith. Love it. Well, hey, listen, thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions on anything, faith, culture, and everything in between, text us at 737-231-0605 or just go to pastorplek.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, you're, you listeners are the reason why we are here and so grateful for all your listeners. So make sure you subscribe, share it with a friend, do all the things you're supposed to do with um, all your podcasts and let people know that we're here to talk about all the cool things that are going on. So from our house to yours, have an awesome week of worship.